When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 299 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Yes, I know. Few, a few days late and a few and a lot of dollars short, but uh, we're here, made it. I know usually I'm yelling Wild Wednesday or whatever. Uh, we're, I guess we'll have to do Throwdown Thursday. Um, yes, I apologize for being a day late. My uh, guest, I was going to have Jay on to do a Southern Pro League review. I'm, I'm still going to have him on to do that, but our schedules just weren't working out, um, and he had a long work day. And then uh, Wednesday, I was going to do an episode, and I was. Uh, kind of dozing off and uh, really wasn't in the mood. Uh, and then, and then as, as, uh, it would go, um, it probably worked out. Um, we had, uh, kind of a rainstorm here, um, Wednesday night and the power was kind of in and out. So I could tell you if I was halfway through the episode, the power went out, I'd be pissed. So, um, I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't record on Wednesday. So, um, but, yeah, like I said, I was prepared to talk to Jay about uh, about the Southern Pro League, kind of a year in review like I did with Alec in the East Coast League. Um, Jay uploads the Southern Pro fights, and he's in Quad City, so he's at all the games and, uh, you know, can really offer a really solid insight. Like, I can't. I I mean, I know some of the names, and I've watched some of the fights on Jay's channel, but um, as far I'm, you know, I'm ignorant on the league, so... I wanted to bring Jay in and, uh, you know, and have, and, you know, obviously he knows the league inside out. So, uh, kind of have him do the review on it and give us some names and who to watch for and that type of thing. So, um, and I know it, it's been brought up a couple of times, not just, you know, about this, but just in general, I know a lot of listeners, um, a lot of guys are, I always call it kind of that NHL bubble. They're into that. Uh, maybe not just current stuff, but they kind of want to talk about old stuff and all that. Um, and I get it. I get it. Um, 
but I, I kind of like to cover all the leagues. Again, it's not like I was discussing the Southern Pro League all year or anything or the East Coast League. Um, but I, I kind of like the year in review episodes, just kind of put a period on things and um, just kind of have that, that time capsule piece, so to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I get the lower minors, you know, or whatever the minor league stuff isn't for everybody, but, uh, you know, and if you want to skip an episode, that's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, Hey, why not, you know, Hey, cause like I said, I'm, I'm the first to yell and scream out the window about the new shit and I don't watch it and you know, fuck this and all that. Um, so I get it. Um, but, uh, at the same time, um, I think a year in review thing, um, I don't know. I just enjoy doing them. Um, and I, and you know, but if, if this is, if that's your, uh, if that's your day to skip the show, I get it, whatever. But, uh, I don't know. Tune in, learn, learn a new name, you know, maybe check out some of Jay's videos and, uh, cause I mean, and, and I, Hey, like I said, I'm the first to yell and scream, but, um, like I, when I had Alec on, we were talking about the East Coast League, you know, we talked about some newer fights and Darren Skeel and, um, you know, um, and, and guys and, uh, Nico Blatchman, dudes can bang, man. I mean, there's some really good fights out there on those channels. And, um, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm the first to, to yell that I don't watch the current shit or whatever. Um. I mean, but, but Alec and Jay are them. They go, oh shit, dude, you gotta check this one out, you know? And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not taking anything away from, uh, from those guys because they were, uh, they were hitting to hurt. That's for sure. And, uh, solid bouts. So, um, no, I think, I think it'll be a fun review show, uh, you know, when, when Jay can get on and we'll do that. And so that'll be coming up. But, um, well, that was a long winded, uh, kind of way around circling around the fact that I, have not, I don't have much to talk about today. Um, I have a little bit to talk about. Uh, oh, oh, the Leafs choking at home uh, tonight. Oh, I I honestly didn't see that coming. I kind of thought they would win that one for sure. That's a big win for Tampa. Um, man, if you got your foot, if you got your boot on their neck, you can't let them up. And Toronto, oh, Toronto might be in trouble. It's been a been a weird playoff. I mean, I I really kind of thought, you know, uh, you know, not that I'm watching, but I'm certainly betting on it. Um, you know, with you know, cause I, I like to gamble on things here and there. Um, but I'm telling you, they've cost me some money. Like, I kind of thought the Bruins were just going to go through Florida, like basically four straight, and uh, you know, and that and same with the Oilers. Um, that really hasn't panned out. Um, and actually, and I thought Winnipeg would beat beat Vegas. To be completely honest. Um, you know, Vegas, that kind of that carousel goaltending and stuff, but yeah, wild playoffs, man. But, uh, you know, and of course tonight the NFL draft is happening. Oh, if I have to hear one more, oh, mock draft and like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you're into the NFL or if you had a podcast or whatever about the NFL, you'd, you'd do it, but mock draft like who gives a shit like I don't, like, I don't know it's um I mean I get watching the draft okay fine but I'm like mock draft listen to this and listen to that and um like a bunch of the podcasts I listen to the gambling ones I mean of course of course they bet on um draft on the draft who's going this and how many quarterbacks in the first round blah 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 but I mean you can bet on anything but um 
yeah, I, I don't know just who who gives a shit about that or, or, you know, but I mean, obviously people do. I mean, it's, well, it's the NFL, right? It's the biggest sports league in the, in North America. So, uh, I mean, obviously people are into it, but, uh, I don't know. I couldn't, uh, sit there with the NFL network and I mean, I, I, whatever, that's not for me, but so who knows who went, I, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully your team got who you think you need. So, uh, <laughs> um, but what am I going to talk about today? Well, first things first, I guess, uh, obviously member of the hockey podcast network, over 50 shows in the network, all the NHL teams have podcasts. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you, uh, especially for the ones that are still playing. Um, so check that out, uh, for my off network friends. Of course, I got uh Jolt and Joel Lazito there. Um, apparently, uh, he has an interview coming out on, uh, on next week. I asked him, how'd you do that? How do you, how do you get someone to do an interview? How do you get someone to sit down and do an interview with you? Cause I certainly don't know, apparently. But, um, yeah, it's Ross Olson he has coming up here. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, yes. And Joe had, well, Joe's got two podcasts. Of course, he's got the Coliseum Chronicles, which was his original podcast, which is a New York Islander based podcast. And then he has a Nordique's Knuckles podcast, where obviously, as it sounds, he interviews Quebec Nordique players. Um, and he's kind of been bounced. That's kind of his newest venture, but he's kind of bouncing around. And, uh, well, I think at this point, it's, uh, whoever he can get to come to the phone is what, what podcast he's going to be doing. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. I, I've said it eight billion times on this show, but I, I don't know what it is. It's just, um, yeah, I was just saying, I was kind of commiserating with Joe there. It, uh, it's, it, she's been a grind. Lately, and uh, again, it got some irons in the fire, but you know, we'll see. Um, a lot of uh, I'll let you know, bro. And that was weeks ago, so I don't know what's going on. And I think, and I think it's just going to get harder when the summer comes with the summer coming around. Um, you know, especially when school gets let out. Uh, you know, people are up at the lake doing things or doing whatever, and last thing they want to be doing is, you know, anchored to their phone for a few hours. Um, talk to some strangers. So I don't know. We'll see what happens here coming up, but, uh, trying folks kind of, I don't know. I do have some, uh, I have some fans interviews coming. Um, I'm going to have a gentleman. We're going to talk about some OHL. We're going to talk about some old Peterborough Pete stuff, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and I got a couple cats coming, so it'll be fun. But, um, Yes, and then, well, that was Jolt and Joe, and then, of course, uh, well, you got yeah, old Favre there, uh, Mud Show, Alec, Five for Fighting podcast, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's back, and, uh, his last episode, he had John on from the Hockey Fight League, and they, uh, they talked about the Clash of the Coast, uh, Alec's East Coast Hockey League, uh, voting tournament that he had, and they kind of broke it down and did the review of that, and, uh, again, um, for those that aren't uh, paying, it, well, that aren't following the new stuff or paying attention to the minors, um, I, I think they're 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 really kind of educational episodes to listen to. And I'm far from an East Coast League expert, that's for sure. But I I really enjoyed the uh, the episode and uh, hearing about some names from guys and and then going back and going down that uh, going on Alex's channel, you know, hitting Alex's YouTube channel and checking them out. So 
I, which I recommend Five for Fighting on YouTube. I definitely uh, recommend that. And of course, Alec, as I always say, I hate to admit it, but he does have a tremendous back catalog. Um, Segroy, Tasker, Jason Rushton, Sean Pete. Um, yeah, so definitely uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff there. So, but let's get into the. Well, I was going to say, let's get into it. I, I really don't have much to get into, although I have a list. I know Tim will be excited. And it's an old school list. The top 10, Hartford Whaler, not Carolina Hurricanes, Hartford Whaler fighters of all time. So we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the whale here shortly um, with that list. And uh, other than that, um, I, I guess it's, uh, I know on the Sunday episodes, I sort of do uh, uh, my week on the internet type of thing. But um, I mean, I guess I could kind of do that. Um, I'll t- uh, yeah. Well, I know what I am going to talk about first, though, and I haven't for a while, and I feel and I and I feel bad about it. Um, uh, and and not, it's certainly not a personal thing. But I always used to say on on Twitter, and I've uh, I've used this cat stuff a few times. Um, it's a Twitter account called Tough Guy Numbers, and uh, and it's and it's just as it sounds. Uh, basically, it's uh, what does he call it? numbers about the toughest NHLers, past and present, emphasis on the past. Source data from NHL.com, HockeyRef, and HockeyFights.com. Yeah. So what he does, he just kind of throws out little uh, tidbits of information, little fun facts, if you will, and stuff like that. And and um, I've cited his uh, a few of his tweets over the over the times that I've, I've been on this show. I've I've had I've done it a couple times. Um, but one of the one of his uh, tweets that I noticed. Um, it is the most penalty minutes in an NHL season by a rookie. So here, I'm going to take a drink. I'm going to let you think of that here as you're listening. Who is the who's the who's number one on that list? Most penalty minutes in a season by a rookie. Okay. Uh, number one, 1985-1986, Detroit Red Wings, Joe Koser. 377 minutes of penalties. Uh, number two, Alan May. That actually surprised me, Alan May. 89-90 with Washington, 339. Uh, then Link Gates, 91-92 with San Jose. He had 326. I think he only played 46 games that year, too. Uh, next, this one surprised me, too. Uh, fourth on the list, Dan Carcillo, 07-08 with Phoenix, 324. Uh, fun fact that he is the last character to get 300 penalty minutes in a season too. Um, Mike Peluso, 9091 with Chicago, 320. Uh, Warren Reichel, 9293 with the LA Kings, 314. Had him in the goon draft. Picked me up a big win that year. Uh, Brad May, 9192. He had 309. Richard Zemlek, 8788 with Minnesota, had 307. Troy Millette, 8990 with the Rangers, 305. And Dennis Polonich, 7576 with the Red Wings. 302. So Joey Coaster, 377. Um, yeah, he, uh, but the, the, uh, the Alan May one, 339. Actually, I didn't, I didn't realize Coaster at 377 either. Man, that's a lot. Ah. Well, I, I guess that was the team, it was the team record till, yeah, Prober had 398 that year. Um, that one year. Uh, but Alan May, there's a guy I've I've been asked before. Um, somebody was like, uh, "Who did you 
I guess hate's a strong word, but for this, work with me for the exercise. But they're like, who did you hate at one time, but then kind of grew to 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 respect? And uh, Alan May was one of those guys for me. Um, not that I hate, I was sort of indifferent on him, but I, I remember just sort of, I'd watch tapes and I'd, and I'd be on there now and again, and it kind of, I don't know what it was. There was something about him that just kind of bugged me. Um but I went back and I watched, you know, not the, you know, you know, he certainly wasn't a super heavyweight or anything, but he fought everybody. Kind of had that cross grip lefty thing going. Um, yeah, I don't know. A guy played a long time in the minors, though, battled it out. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, paid his dues. Um, but yeah, Alan May was one of those guys. Um, yeah, an old SGHL or two. And of course, oh, you know, he got crazy link there in San Jose and, um, the, yeah, the Carcillo thing threw me off too. I did 300 minutes. That's surprising for 0708. Um, yeah. Uh, Peluso. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 90, Then Warren Reichel. Yeah. Reichel kind of came out of nowhere too. And he made LA and that's the year. Marty had 399 that year. Man, that's a lot of penalties on that team. Um, uh, then Brad May, of course, his rookie year. And I was, um, you know, that was great Buffalo teams with Ray and Donnelly and Barnaby and May and all the craziness. Um, 309, yeah. Yeah, Troy Millette. There's not, I was never, I was never a big Troy Millette fan either for some reason. I think it was probably, you know what it is? I think as petty as it is, I think it was in that like bad boys book when Millette's like kind of bitching in his interview. He's bitching about fighting. And it was like, dude, if it wasn't for fighting, you wouldn't even be in the NHL. So, uh, I, I think from then on, I was, he always bugged me for some reason. I don't know. Him and May, well, Brad May speaking, yeah, him and him and uh, Millette had, had had quite the feud going. Um, but yeah, there you go, tough guy numbers. Uh, what was his other one? He had a he had a little trivia question. Yeah, who is the only player to have two four hundred penalty minute seasons? There you go. I'll throw that one at you. I'll let you think here. We'll do the. I should somehow put the Jeopardy song in here. Um, well, it is none other than Dave the Hammer Schultz, of course. Uh, of course, everybody remembers the 74-75 season when he had the NHL record 472 minutes with Philly uh, in 76 games. Um, but the next one was 77-78. He actually split. He played. He, uh, he started with the Kings. He played eight games with the LA Kings and then got traded to Pittsburgh and, and finished out and played the last 66 games there. And, uh, yes, he ended up with... Uh, with 405 minutes and penalties. So, uh, there you go for, for all you, uh, for you, for you trivia cats out there. Who's the only man to have 400 minutes twice in the NHL, Dave, the hammer Schultz. It kind of threw me off because like I said, it was the split season there with between LA and, and Pittsburgh. Cause I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, he only has 300. What's this guy talking about? 400 minutes. Oh, you got to add the 27 that he had with LA. Oh, that's where he's getting 400 from. Okay. Um, yeah. So tough guy numbers on Twitter. Great follow. Um, yeah, I really enjoy his, I, I really enjoy his stuff. And, uh, and it, yeah, and it's been, a, it's been a minute since I've, uh, I've referenced him. Uh, what else has he got here? Uh, well here, yeah, something like this. Most fights in a Stanley Cup final from like 1968 to 2021. Uh, 1974, the Flyers and Bruins had 11 fights in the Stanley Cup final. Then 1986, the Canadians and Flames had eight. 
1972, the Bruins and Rangers had eight. In 1980, the Islanders and Flyers had eight. 84, Oilers, Islanders, six. 85, Oilers, Flyers, six. 78, Canadians, Bruins, six. 71, Canadians, Blackhawks, six. Uh, 82, Islanders, Canucks, four. But yeah, there you go. The Stanley Cup final, 1974, Flyers and Bruins, 11 tilts. Imagine that. There's teams that didn't have 11 fights all year, never mind the playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, tough guy numbers. Tremendous. Bang up job out there. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement every game with the touch of a button. New customers can bet $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Guys, I made, this Sunday, I'd look at the Lakers. I mean, you always got LeBron, right? And uh, Lakers' hottest team after the All-Star break. Kind of, they had to win to get in. They won their last game. They're out, they got the momentum going. I don't know. I would. Uh, I know they're about a three and a half point underdog right now to the Grizz, but uh, I think uh, I think that might be the the Lake Show might be something to look at there. So download the app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can make five dollar pregame money line bet, score one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Something else I wanted to bring up, and it was just sort of, uh, like I said, today's episode isn't going to be real long. We'll just kind of do the Hartford list and have some have some giggles, I'm sure. And uh, so I, well, because like I always say with the list, I don't look at them ahead of time. I'm discovering them with you. I have a, a couple cats that have sent me some links over the last year or so, and uh, yeah, and I just uh, when I need a list, I click on them and open them up, and cause I always think like the reaction. Is like that, then you're getting my general, my genuine reaction to it. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think as I'm saying the Hartford. I mean, I have some names in mind with Hartford, but I mean, you never know how, where these lists are going to go. And I always say with the list, with the, th- uh, it's always sort of the, uh, I don't know. I always say the shittier the better. Then it's just kind of funny listening at that point. But that could just be me. All right. Um, yeah, I was. Somebody brought up in the hot. It's always in that hockey fights and brawls. I'm sorry, William. It is though. It's always in the in the, in the hockey fights and brawls page. Um, somebody had a picture of uh, Gretzky and McSorley, um, and it's just sort of a commentary. I, I don't know. Uh, and Chris and I kind of joke about it, but um, boy, oh boy, it just. I always say, like, it's shit. It's like these goofy-ass responses and shit like that. I expect on, like, Twitter from, like, 18-year-olds. But this isn't an actual Facebook hockey fight group. And you'd like to think that there's some sort of knowledge in there. Or some understanding of what's going on or what went on back in the day. But it's like, no, not really. I mean, there's a lot of good dudes, obviously, in the group or whatever. I wouldn't be in the group, but it's just like, I, you know, at the same time, it's like, um, 
there's there's always one right there's you know there always is and 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 it's one of those things i guess just with fight fans or whatever in general it's like they just like i always say right they just can't get out of their fandom and or else if they don't like a guy they have like every excuse in the book and it's just like just become silly after a while like i get it you don't like them that's cool it does i'm not saying you gotta like them i don't who cares but just like come on like just stop but anyway, somebody put up a picture. It was just a picture of Gretzky and McSorley standing there in their Kings uniforms. But um, and this guy was just sort of asking, does anybody have a clip or remember Marty saying, it might not be exactly word for word, but he would say, if I didn't go by their bench and say, fellas, knock it off, Wayne would get hit cleanly three or four times a shift and never would have a healthy, never would have a healthy career. Um, was kind of the quote. Um, now, I don't. I have no idea where Marty said that or, or whatever, but anyway, that guy just sort of, and I could believe that happening. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if Wayne would have got hit three or four times cleanly every game or anything, but, um, but I know it's documented of Semenko doing that. And I remember Semenko talks about that on Ice Guardians, right? Like he'd just go by the bench and be like, you know, are we going to play like this all night or what are we going to do here? And, and like, it's in this book and it's been documented and everything that, yeah, a lot of times with Semenko, it was a, just a look or a, you know, say a few words and, and guys would settle down. And, um, but I, I just, I kind of, uh, laugh at all, at, at sort of all the, at all the responses. Um, you kind of get the one guy, yeah, sure. It's like, no, that, yeah, that's probably what happened. But you look and it's a younger guy and whatever. It's like, okay, so you don't know any different anyway. Um, but then the one guy replies, oh, poor Mr. Gretzky. He would have, he would have had to endure hits like every other hockey player. So I, of course, I replied, well, he wasn't every other hockey player. And he goes, well, maybe I should have been less. I should have said, let, if he had take, if he had to take hits like Lemieux and Yager, Crosby, Ovechkin, Burry, and Lindros, Forsberg, etc. Hard to contain a hard to contain a super skilled player when you cannot touch him or get in his head. Well, so like, of course, I replied. Well, that was sort of the point of the enforcer, like, and Semenko and McSorley were the two of two of the best at it. Um, I think that's where, and like the one guy saying, "Oh yeah, right." Well, this is where it tells me when these people are are younger. They don't understand because they were, you know, they weren't around in that era, like in the mid eighties, well, right through the nineties or whatever. Um, like if you wanted to send a message, I mean, that was the point you could pl- back then you could police the game. And even if it was beyond policing, it was just, it was just basically intimidating and bullying. I mean, to, for lack of a better word, but it's just like, and I don't, and I think these young people don't understand it because you can't do it anymore. I mean, that's why there's no enforcer anymore because you can't, you can't enforce, you can't intimidate, you can't do anything anymore because you just, you get suspended. See, back then, I mean, you'd get penalties and stuff, but there was no suspensions or maybe a game. But I mean, there was none of this. Like, I always use the perfect example of like when Sean Thornton went after Orpec and punched him when he was whatever down. What did Thornton get? Like 15 games for it? Well, that wasn't anything Semenko and McSorley didn't do a few times a season. They just get a, 10-minute misconduct, maybe a game misconduct, but there was never a suspension. But that's why. And it was, and 
a great a great clip, and I'm, if you haven't seen it, if you go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, um, just type in Marty McSorley explains the role. Just type that in on YouTube. Um, yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, Marty talks about doing anything you needed to do to send a message, and 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 he did, and that was the thing, and it wasn't just like. Oh, Marty would go after another fourth liner. Like, no, he'd go after whoever was acting up, whether it was a first liner, second liner, it didn't matter. Marty would just punch the shutier or cross check you or spear you. He talks about throwing one guy head first through the boards, like through the open the gate, the bench. It's just like Yeah, it's just it's one of those fuck around find out things. And same thing with Semenko. And it's like he if you're gonna mess around He'd give you a warning, and if you kept it up, well, he wasn't going to come out, hey, let's square off, buddy, good luck. No, he would just drop his shit and just beat the shit out of you and start pounding you, and you better be ready to fight or else you're getting it. And he's going to break your jaw. He didn't, They that's the thing, they didn't give a shit back then. They didn't. And I'm not, like, trying to sound dramatic or, or make it sound like, you know, like, um, exaggerating it's like no it was like they would literally break your face to send a message and it and there was nothing nice about it and there was no clean square offs and good luck bro and bum taps after and in the penalty box congratulate each other and no it was none of that shit and i think it i think that idea is just so foreign to so many of the younger fight fans or even or people that weren't like you know, weren't fans back in the day. It's like, they can't wrap their head around that. And it's like, you see all this time, all these people complain, oh, Dave Brown jumped guys and stuff. That was the point. Like, Samanko and Brown and these guys, it wasn't about 30 years later, a bunch of geeks on a Facebook group talking about how great their square off was and how fair they were and what honorable sportsmen. There wasn't any honor in that role. Like, not from an opposing fan's point of view. I mean, the honor was protecting the teammates and, and fighting for the logo and battling every night. That's where the honor came from within your own locker room. It wasn't so a bunch of geeks. So, oh, yeah, I love the square off and the respect, bro. Like, what? Like, no. It was about fucking busting heads, intimidating people, and being bullies. And it's like, I can't emphasize that enough to, on people. And they just... They don't get it. And like I said, they're so wrapped up in this code or this sportsman or two honorable warriors and this stupid shit, this new age way of thinking. And it's it's not just the fans shit. There's fighters that bought into this horse shit. And it was like, yeah, that's why your role's gone. Like, it killed the enforcer role. And, you know, I mean, there was a a bunch of factors that did that, but that was one of them, in my opinion. But... Yeah, well, but to get back to the McSorley thing and 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 Semenko, it was like it wasn't just Gretzky; it was anybody on the team, but especially Gretzky. And like, as one guy, it's like, oh, so do you think? If so, did you want Gretzky getting hit? Like, I don't understand. Oh, he should have been able to take a hit like everyone else. Why? 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 Would you want your meal ticket and the greatest player in the world getting hit? If you had two guys or M- Marty after Dave retired, it's like. And you had a guy that ran shotgun with him and was and made sure nobody even breathed and gave Wayne the room that he needed to create. Um, 
yeah. Like, I'm just, well, you can't see me. It's obvious it's an audio podcast, but it's just more like just sitting here shrugging my shoulders and shaking my head. Like, I don't know what, like I said, so you, you wanted Gretzky to get hit for what, for what reason? Well, cause Mario did. Well, yeah, Pittsburgh was smart and it got out, went out and got someone. Mario might have played longer, you know. And Yager and Ovechkin are interesting guys because they're so big and thick that they can obviously, like, take it. And, you know, and Ovechkin, I mean, early on, I mean, and, and their Ovechkin's obviously physical and does end hits, right? So, I mean, he's sort of a different breed. You know, plus the dude's 6'4", 245. I mean, that's a lot different than Gretzky at, you know, whatever, 5'10", 180. You know, 175, I mean, clearly it's, I mean, like Gretzky said, when he went, like, everybody calls it his office when he's behind the net. Well, he didn't go back there for offense, he went back there to hide and to get out of the way. And, um, you know, whereas Ovechkin was obviously big enough he can go through people. You know, but plus in the last decade, he's he's played in the softest decade in hockey. Now, I'm not taking any away from Ovechkin, I'm just saying in the last 10 years or so, I mean, no one really hits and it's pretty well, you know. It's obviously a different whole mindset and era and, you know, a battlefield compared to what Gretzky played on. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a little different. Um, Lindros played a huge physical game. Like, Lindros is different than all those guys listed, too, just because um, the physicality that he played with and he'd fight, etc. and all that. So, that's a little different. Um, same with Forsberg. I mean, he played a physical game, too, and... And I mean that that warmed that warmed down. But Bury, I mean Bury, I he didn't really in Vancouver. Not that I can remember, because I mean you had Ojik and those guys there. I mean they they made sure old Pavel didn't get touched for sure. Gino was a great bodyguard, so you know, um, yeah. But you go back at like Brett Hall with Twist and Chase and and uh, Sackick with uh, you know with Twist and those guys back in Quebec and. And, and with the avalanche, I mean, with Simon and all that and Severin and, you know, everybody that kind of went through that, uh, that organization. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not just, oh, no one ever, Gretzky was the only guy that ever had bodyguards. It's like, well, no, lots of guys, lots of people like Domi looked after Sandine for many, like, you ever see Sandine getting messed with? Or like the perfect example is when King and Domi went to Winnipeg and Solani, didn't get touched after that. And Winnipeg went on the big run. And that, yeah, because you could send messages back then. If they wanted to mess around, you could grab a guy and make an example out of him. And if even if it was a goal, because there was not, because I could tell you, I mean, people love to yell about the code and everything else in the 80s. And I never heard that phrase until the 2000s. So I could tell you, it didn't matter what line you're on or if you're a air quote skilled guy or whatever. Um, if you were going to mess around and get, you were going to get made an example of, and that was just the way it was. It was like, yeah, sorry, man, but you guys got to learn. It was like it back in the old medieval days after you killed them, you cut their head up, put it on the spike and put it in front of the castle to, to let everybody know this is what's going to happen. If you want to fuck around, that's what it was like back then. I mean, you wanted to mess around. I mean, you were going to pay a heavy price. And going after the other tough guy and fighting him, well, that didn't what that didn't send any message because he'll he'll fight you. It's not a big deal. But um, you know, well, and getting back to this McSorley Gretzky thing, well, somebody and the next guy writes, "Oh, no one's scared. No one was scared of Marty." 
<laughs> oh yeah, you think so, eh? Really? You don't think so? And well, all their tough guys were Well, that's not who he's intimidating. Or no, it was no one was intimidated by McSorley. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, buddy. Whatever. You, really, you like to think so? Yeah, no one was intimidated by McSorley. But I could guarantee you, McSorley scared the shit out of people, and uh, clearly he did. Um, but then it's like you know. Not Robert. No, no. Oh, it's, well, tough guys don't intimidate other tough guys. Like, that's not who they're intimidating. Like, McSorley's not going to sit there and yell at Probert or Twist or Domi and, you know, like, well, he's not going to intimidate them. Like, no, his bark is to the other 16 guys on the team, 17 guys on the roster. That's who he's trying to, that's who he's intimidating. Not the other team's enforcer, dumb shit. It's like, oh, like what, why, why do people talk stupid? Why, you know, you know, and then the one guy is like, uh, what does he put here? Uh, hold on, I'm scrolling here, folks. That's all. Oh, Gretzky had a real enforcer at Edmonton. Game was soft by his LA years. Like, see, why, like, why? I said 88 to 96, the NHL was soft. And I just put, like, come on, people, what are we doing here? Seriously? Yeah, like, yeah, 88 to 96, the NHL was soft. I, I would think that's actually probably the most, I would say the, it, yeah, the 90s is probably the toughest era. When you think about it, it was, it was certainly the most stacked um, as far as teams go with, like, legit heavyweights. I mean, that was prime Probert years, prime Brown. Well, just well, Peruby and Gates and McKenzie and Grimson and um, all the Domi and all the guys that we talk, McSorley and all, all the guys that we talk about. It's soft. Holy shit. Like, just... Then you don't kind of wonder. It's like, are you just trolling? Are you just, you know... Because that seems like you're trolling to me. It, you know, at least I hope you are. Because that's that's terrible. Oh, yeah. That was soft. Okay. Anyway. That, that was just kind of one of the topics that had come up. And it was uh, fairly eye-rolling. Yeah, I guess, like I said, when it, you know, I'll just one last thing. And then we'll move on to the list here. But... You know, I, well, I guess I already brought it up, but it was just, it, it really points to um, just the ignorance of people. Like, just younger people don't, like I said, younger people don't understand. Or even, I shouldn't even say younger people, but just like, no, actually, I'm not going to say that. I, I take that back. It's just like these fight fans in general. I mean, for the most part, guys get it, but but even now, you'll still see them. Um, like the bitch about Probert's jersey coming off or Ray's coming off or Brown jumping guys or, or whatever. And it's just like, none of this was meant to, like, they almost treat it like the fight was, uh, like that was part of the game, like in terms of the outcome of the game. How am I wording? I'm, now I'm, I'm wording, I'm tripping on my tongue here. That's not the wording I'm looking for. But they always, they, I guess they just viewed it like as a, like, I guess like as a boxing match or an MMA match, like within the game of hockey. And it's like, okay, well, you have the two warriors square off and have an honorable bout. It's like, 
No, yeah, so him losing his jersey, that's unfair, and he shouldn't do that. And that really taints his uh his reputation. No, it doesn't. His reputation and his job, Rob Ray, in Buffalo, was to make sure that the Sabre players didn't get messed with, LaFontaine, McGillney, etc., and that he beat the shit of people. That was the point. It wasn't, like, again, oh, if I better tie my jersey down because a bunch of the fans won't think I'm an honorable warrior. Like, I guarantee that never crossed his mind. And and again, I, I go back to the old fight board days or when my friends and I were sitting there watching fights all the time. I don't remember anybody complaining about, like, when Ray came out of his jersey saying, that's unfair. No, it was just an accepted thing. Like, if you wanted to come out of your jersey, you came out of your jersey. If you wanted it tied down, you tied it down. You wanted Velcro sleeves, you had, like, you, or you wanted the tight left sleeve, like Dave Brown or whatever. I mean, it was just sort of accepted tricks of the trade. Like, there was none of this, oh, this wasn't fair. And, yeah, what is this all about? Like, I don't know if this is this revisionist history or, like, like, as Steve is fond of saying, and I, I agree, like, if you go back on anybody's, back on some of these older guys on their fight card or their history, there's there's certainly warts, so to speak. Yeah, okay, and? Like, that's not what it was about back then. And I don't know now if guys, they're, if they're all worked up that it's, that it's got to be honorable, or I, I don't know, we got to have a good square off, bro, or whatever, I don't know. Like, it just, I mean, that's, I, I guess that's part of the problem with fighting in hockey now. It's sort of been reduced to, um, well, it's either everybody complains, that, well, hell, they complain now if they fight after a hit. It always happens. Well, it doesn't, but okay, you want to say it does. I'm like, and well, I'm like, uh, so? I think it happens all the time now. Well, uh, here I am saying it, but you know what I mean. I think it happens with more frequency now after a hit because teams don't have, like, the enforcer anymore. Like, it was funny, like, when I was doing the player spotlight and stuff and you'd watch the fights, it's like, well, the fight happened because so-and-so hit a guy. Well, there you go. There's your big, oh, a fight uh, a hit starts a fight. Well, that's what started a lot of fights back in the day. I don't know what else started fights back then. Um, But like I always say, so... If they don't do that, and then they just square off, then you're mad it's a staged fight. So, it's like you really can't win. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, but I think now, uh, without having the enforcer anymore, um, I think guys almost feel obligated to fight. So, it's just like basically everyone, every, well, not everyone, but like, whatever, second line down, <laughs> um, will fight-ish. If they need to, or if they feel like they should when there's a hit, it's kind of like, oh, while there's a hit, I better get in there because that's the hockey code to do. Um, whereas before, I mean, that would have happened before too sometimes, but I think more so maybe because every team had enforcers and had, you know, one or two or three guys in some cases that it was like, well, I don't have to fight because in the next shift or two, Ray will get out here or Brad May will come out and take care of it and I don't have to. Um, so maybe it just didn't seem like there was fights after hits so much because it was a two or three shifts later. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. I'm just throwing that out as I'm sort of getting the list ready here. But, um, 
I don't know, maybe. Or am I just babbling nonsense at this point? That's probably what I'm doing. It's late and I'm tired. Um, but I wanted to get something out for you guys. So, so you had some content for the commute. At least something. The smooth, silky sounds, man. Hold on. Okay. Let's get into this list. Tim's on the edge of his seat here. This list, the top 10 Hartford Whaler fighters, not Carolina Hurricanes, not, not the New England Whalers of the Western, uh, the, World Hockey Association. I had the WHL on my mind. How about them Saskatoon Blades? Down three games to nothing to Red Deer and came back and beat them. Wrapped it up last night. Only the third time in WHL history that a team's come back 3-0. Um, man, if you're Red Deer, how do you blow a 3 nothing series lead? That's brutal. But Blades have moved on to the third round. We'll see what happens here. But uh, I, I believe the Saskatoon Blades are the oldest junior team in Canada. That does not have a Memorial Cup yet. So, maybe this year. Hopefully, this is the year. Um, but back to the list here. Okay. Okay. Written by Tyler Jansen. The Whale Tale. Top 10 Enforcers. Hartford Whalers history. Okay. Well, here we go. We got the we got the top ten enforcers. So we'll click on here, and like I said, I have not checked out this list, so uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, Hartford Whalers started it from 1979 to 1997. They were initially the New England Whalers in the Western WHA from 72 to 79. Became the Carolina Hurricanes from 1997 on. Uh, this is a list of strictly Hartford Whaler fighters. Okay. Number ten, honor, oh, okay, honorable mention. Uh, Nick Kiprios, nineteen from ninety two to ninety four, he played eighty five games at three hundred sixty two minutes of penalties. Okay, uh, Ed Hospitar, eighty two to eighty four, hundred thirty one games, three hundred sixty two minutes. Ed Costellic, eight nineteen eighty to nine, 1988 to nineteen ninety two, hundred forty seven games, four hundred eighty five minutes. I didn't realize he had that many minutes, huh? Uh, Don Nakbar, 1980 to 1982, 154 games, 256 minutes. Chris, Pr- Chris Pronger. Oh, great. Number two overall pick, 93 to 95, 124 games, 167 minutes of penalties. Now on to the list. Honorable mentions, Chris Pronger. That's funny. Okay. Uh, number 10, Gary Howitt. Uh, played just one season. Uh, from Came over from the New York Islanders in 81-82. In 80 games, he had 242 minutes, had a respectable 18 goals, as well as 18 fights, according to HockeyFights.com. Yeah, I mean, um, the Toy Tiger. I mean, everybody always, you know, in those great Islander teams, uh, of course, he had Gillies and Nystrom, but how it was always there. And, uh, yeah, not the biggest guy, but, uh, you know, he, he could throw down. And like I said, solid player. Like I said, 80 games, he had 18 goals and uh, 18 tilts. I mean... You know, dude be getting about five million dollars this year if he threw that one out there. Um, I always forget how it played with the with the while well, he played the one year. I guess that's why I always forget he played for the Whalers. Um, number nine, Kevin Deneen. Oh, there you go, Kevin Deneen. Five hundred eighty-seven games, five hundred three points, twelve hundred thirty-seven minutes and penalties and thirty-eight tilts. Not the biggest guy, but wouldn't back down. Actually, ended his career on a fight. Um, 
fan favorite in Hartford and Carolina and everywhere that he had played. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Deneen, yeah, not the biggest guy, but uh, yeah, certainly certainly played a long time in the Hartford, uh, Carolina years. Um, great player, though. I mean, you know, had some really good seasons in Philly as well. A couple 40-goal years. Um, I Again, I don't, w- with this list, I don't know if we're going fighting, enforcing, because you know, he wasn't an enforcer, but... Uh, he's just one of those guys that would, you know, was a grind guy and, uh, could score. Wasn't it? wouldn't back down, go into corners. Um, yeah, sandpaper guy. Um, I'm down with Deneen. That's our, but I mean, you know, would I have him on a top 10 fighter list? No, but here we are. Um, number eight, Paul McDermott. Hmm. All right. Uh, 1990 373 game or what am I looking at here? 19 yeah, pardon me, 81 to 90. Yeah, 373 games, 744 minutes of penalties. Uh 36 tilts. Yeah, I mean, um I know McDermott could hit. I remember him playing in Winnipeg more and uh big time hitter. Um uh, yeah, on those Rockham Sockham tapes. I mean the old Don Cherry tapes. I remember there was a, a McDermott made that video more than once. Um, I never kind of really viewed him as a big fighter. Um, yeah, again, this kind of this list is sort of, you know, I mean, I got Howard. I get that. But, you know, all of a sudden we get like kind of a Denis. Although I guess Denis just played so long and had so many penalty minutes. And, and you know, he played like the sandpaper style, like we said. I guess, I, you know, all right. <laughs> I guess I, I'm sort of missing the assignment here. I guess on the on the uh, this list is kind of schizophrenic. I guess we'll put it, but uh, keep yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Okay, number seven, Stu Grimson. Exactly. So I would expect him. Obviously, uh, Stu Grimson played the one season with the Whale uh, Hartford, ninety six, ninety seven. Played seventy five games, had two hundred eighteen minutes and penalties and twenty four tilts. Um, I always say with Grimson. Um, after he kind of, like, you know, came at Calgary, Chicago and stuff, he was kind of the, you know, I always used the phrase, like, uh, puppy with big paws. Like, he's a real big, tall, lanky guy. Um, he had some success in Chicago. Fought everybody. I mean, his fight card was unreal. I mean, he was always, you know, the Grim Reaper. And he, you know, had his moments in Chicago and everything. But I think once he left there, I always felt when he got to Hartford is when it really clicked for him. And he became really dominant in those Hartford, Carolina years. And then when he went on to Anaheim and stuff. But man, oh man, like Stu late, he had a couple real strong, like I, I'd have him in the top three that it, uh, in that year. And he uh, he put the hammer down on guys in Hartford there. Um, yeah, I always, I always... I, my personal feeling is, yeah, Grimson really came into his own and kind of became a real, he was always a tough guy and whatever and feared and all that, but I, I always say he became, he really legit became the Grim Reaper when he got to Connecticut. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he did some damage to guys. That was the one thing I always say with Stu. I mean, um, Stu was a mean bastard, man. When he fought, there was no fucking around and he, he was mean and, uh, not in the sense that, you know, always like, you know, drilling guys and they're down and, you know, bouncing heads off ices or anything off the ice or anything like that. But just you watch him fight. There's a viciousness to Grimson when he would fight. And, uh, 
Yeah, and I think this is where he really found it. In my opinion, anyway. Stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Uh, okay, wait, yeah, okay, Stu Grimson at seven. Number six, yeah, oh, fuck. Alf Samuelson, really? Uh, 1984-1991, he played 463 games, had 1110 minutes and penalties, 40 fights. That's actually surprising. Well, I guess I'm not surprised that he had the 40 fights just because everybody wanted to kill him. Um, yeah, fuck Alf Samuelson. I'm not fucking talking about Alf Samuelson. The guy's a sewer dweller. Um, <laughs> scroll, keep going. Number five, little ball. I hate Pat Verbeek. 433 games, 403 points, 1144 minutes and penalties, 16 tilts. Yeah, again, like I said, we're kind of this, this list is sort of schizophrenic, right? It's kind of all over. I mean, you got Verbeek ahead of Grimp. Well, geez, you got Alf ahead of Grimps and, and Howitt and Deneen and, you know, like and everybody listed it, uh, behind Alf could have killed him. Um, so I don't know. Like it's almost like it should have said, here's the, here's the 10 Hartford fighters in no particular order is really kind of what you're looking at. Um, I mean, for Beak, you know, I mean, great player, obviously 400 points and 400 game, 433 games. And, but I mean, 16 tilts. I mean, where does that, I mean, I'm trying to think in my head. I'm like, hmm. I'm trying to think of a Pat for Beak fight. I don't think I really can. Um, so there you go. Um, I mean, everybody else, I, I can remember having some fights, but hell, I can even remember all fighting, for God's sake, as a whaler, but I can't remember. I don't really remember Verbeek fighting. I mean, he, obviously he did. He had 16 with Hartford, but yeah, nothing really stands out in my head. I know I know he was in... I The only thing I always remember about Verbeek, even as a kid back then in the 80s and stuff, is he wore a visor, which, I mean, it's funny now because they all do, but I mean, back then that was a, kind of a rare thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, uh, Verbeek always bugged me. He was, I mean, again, solid player. I mean, everybody, you'd want him on your team, but I remember every year he'd get 200 some minutes and all this. And it's like, you know, 200 some minutes, you get one fight or two fights a year. It's like, uh, you know, how long did I say he played for? What was, what were the years there? Um, 89 to 95. I mean, okay. So, you know, you got six years there and you got 16 tilts. Well, okay, so, you know, you're basically, you know, give or take three fights a year, and you got 1,100 minutes and 400 games. I mean, you know, when you, and you fight three times a year. I mean, that's a lot of bad penalties, you know, really. Um, you know, and I, how many more points would it have been if he had kept his penalty minutes down? You know, that's the thing. So I know he's a good guy with a stick and dirty, and so I don't know why, I've you know, why he's on the list if we're – here, I gotta scroll back here. How did this guy word it? Did he say fighters? Yeah, top ten and yeah, whaler enforcers. Okay, well that yeah, like this. Damn it, Tyler. These are these aren't enforcers, you know. Um, well, I don't know how you're using the word. Um, whatever. I always say that's the that's the thing with the beauty with the list, right? Um, I guess, like, Verbeek's just a grit guy, right? He's one of those gritty guys. Like, that's why I'd, I'd have him and McDermott and Kevin Deneen. Like, I wouldn't have him on this list. I mean, I'd give him an honorable mention for I, being gritty, I get. I mean, I wouldn't have Alf on this list. Actually, most of this list I wouldn't have other than so far Grimson. Well, on Howard, I guess, you know. But, I mean, 
okay. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with Howard. He just played the one season. I don't know about any, any, you know, uh, longevity or anything, but I mean, okay. If you're talking about just straight up fighters, okay. Yeah. He could be on the list, but I mean, Deneen McDermott, like, no, but I like, like I said, I like the, I never liked Verbeek, but I like Deneen McDermott, but yeah, this, this list is sort of all over here. Never be all right. Anyway, number four, Nick Fatio. Well, okay, Nick Fatio, uh, 116 games, 186 minutes and penalties, 1979 to 1981, four tilts. Well, yeah. See, there you go with Nick, right? I mean, 116 games, four fights. Come on. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, that's the thing. I mean, I get, and it's it's one of those, and it's just not just his Hartford years here, but just the whole Fatio thing in general. Um, I've always said I don't get it. Um, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, I understand that he was tough. I mean, I've seen some of his fights. He looks good in the fights. and I mean, I've always said with Fatio, he's really good at squaring off and looking mean. Um, he had a lot of square off breakup before the fight got going stuff. But um, but it takes two to fight. So, um, again, I, I, I think um, a lot of it, like... Obviously, his WHA stuff, the footage, there's just, the footage isn't there. And I know guys that, again, it's one of those things, they grew up, you know, watching Nick and whatever, so they saw all the stuff live, and, oh, you had to be there, and he dominated, and guys were scared of him, and on and on. And, I mean, I've heard it all from, from guys from over the years. And, um, you know, I and I think in a lot of cases, it's, you know, you have your homework glasses, and, you know, history's revisionist. And not to say that Nick wasn't a tough guy and probably did kick some ass, or not probably, he did kick some ass, and, you know, without a doubt. Um, again, these guys talk like, oh, he's an all-time, top three all-time. That's like, uh, you know, you're, how can you be top three of all-time? You have four fights in three years, I mean, with a, with a team. It's like, you know, and then it, and then always whenever you brought that up, right, or his Fatio's lack of activity, it was always, well, nobody wanted to fight him. They were all scared of him. Well, you know, that's why I say, well, Probert managed 300 fights and Twist managed 200. And, I mean, I don't think people were lining up to fight those two. But, or like a Link Gates or something. But he managed, you know, 400 minutes in his lone NHL season pretty much and fought 20-some times. So it's like, yeah, this whole idea that guys were scared of Fatio, that's why he never fought, I don't. No, I'm not really into. I'm not really down with that. But at the same time, like you said, he was a fan favorite, did his job, and uh, you know. So, I'd love to see. I'd love to see some of Nikki's WHA stuff. That's the stuff I'd really like to see because then you'd see like the young, primed up, let's rock and roll for Tio, and then um, I think you could get a really good idea of his fighting ability because. Uh, like I said, it, the stuff that that's out there is limited, and uh, I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm not all that impressed when I watch that footage. Um, has a couple moments, you know, against Ben Wilson, etc. But yeah, other than that, it's like I don't know. He's either squaring off and nothing happens, or you know, I don't know. It's just uh, and again, I and, and this isn't a. I didn't want to turn this into a bashing of Fatio or you know shitting on Nikki time or anything but again and, and again I've, I've always freely admitted my age I'm, I'm really ignorant on a lot of his stuff I mean because I wasn't around to see it and the footage isn't out there so I am ignorant when it comes to Fatio but just the stuff I've seen it's kind of like that Semenko thing like everybody kind of shits on Semenko a little bit 
Well, a lot of Semenko's best stuff isn't on tape, so you don't get to see it. You know, according to, you know, I had Luciano on, and we talked about Semenko, and, um, you know, and he shared some of the articles that he's found and and, and been written, well, speaking of Hartford, there's Semenko, you know, although he was a shell of himself in Hartford. But um, anyway, uh, and he he threw some really interesting tidbits out there about Semenko. Um, So, you know, yeah, there's unfortunately with so much footage missing, a lot of these older guys you know, you, you kind of see limit, you know, limited stuff. And then, or else it's, as you know, later on in their years, like with some, oh, Toronto and Hartford and everybody kind of snickers, right? Oh, that's Wayne's bodyguard. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, but he, he, the drive was gone at that point. But it would have been great. Imagine seeing some 80, 81, 82 Semenko stuff. Oh, that would have been great. You know, same thing with Fatio. Seeing some WHA stuff, it would have been tremendous. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the guys that were there swear by it, and uh, and I, I'm sort of indifferent on it, ignorant about it, I guess. Not indifferent, but ignorant about it. But, yeah, like I said, the stuff I've seen, yeah, You know, uh, it, to me, it's just the, it, it, just the lack of um, just the numbers in general. So, but that's just my opinion. Many will argue. But number that was number four. Number three, Mark Jansen's. I love me some Mark Jansen's. Um, 341 games, 712 minutes, 60 fights. Um, again, another guy, uh, he was with the Rangers for a little bit, played a few seasons there. I think when he came to Hartford, really came into his own in terms of toughness. Um, I did a player spotlight on Mark Jansen's. So, uh, but yeah, old Regina Pat, you know, great center, played a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm a huge Mark Jansen's fan. Again, do yourself a favor, go down that rabbit hole, check out. Um, he has some great fights with Cummins and uh, Cam Russell, Stefan Quintal, um, yeah, Darren Kimball on the boards there. Um, yeah, Mark Jansen's is awesome. Big dude uh, could, could throw down, man. Underrated, underrated tough guy right there. I'm pumped that this guy put that on the list. Put him on the list. That's cool. Uh, Mark Jansen, number three. Number two, Jim McKenzie. Well, there you go. 203 games, 468 minutes, uh, 42 tilts. Um, yeah, big Jim, man. Uh, you know, he, he kind of got, he got it started in Hartford, you know, started off with a bang fighting Dave Brown and, uh, fight card was second none. Had some really great fights with, uh, really had tw- early on in their careers. Uh, he really had Tony Twist's number. Um, when Twister was in, uh, Quebec and, uh, and, and Jim was in Hartford. Um, yeah, he took it to Twist a couple times. Um, had a really, had a really good fight with Cordic when, uh, Cordic was kind of at the end of the line making his, trying to make his comeback with Quebec. But, uh, yeah, McKenzie was right there with him. Um, one of those guys, I think, uh, I, I, you know, he had, again, kind of, I think goes under the radar a little bit. Um, I always say with McKenzie, um, I always felt that he was too nice. And like I said, if he had a mean streak, I mean, the league's probably lucky he didn't have a mean streak, but I mean, he could throw with both hands. He was big. Um, every once in a while you'd see it when he'd get wound up and in a mood, like asshole Daryl Sador would vote Jim McKenzie in a mean, in a mood. Um, I can't say it kind of really hurt his career because he played, I don't know how many games he had to have at least seven or 800 games played. So I mean, he had a long career. Um, kind of one of the, 
early as as we call it kind of code fighters i know steve's brought that up and i agree uh you know we always kind of fought fair and you know and uh was kind of a, a respectful warrior if you will um you know and I, hey whatever but uh yeah i always say if jim had been mean oof um but i would have i have mckenzie definitely um just shy of my top 10 of all time i mean he was that good and dominant big guy and uh yeah i'm down with jim mckenzie hey saskatchewan guy gotta be right but yeah big gm number two was uh so who's the number one guy all time in the hartford whalers well there we go uh tory robertson 326 games he had 1368 minutes of penalties 129 fights including 85-86, he had 35 regular season fights, including five playoff fights. Yeah, so 40 tilts in one year, that's strong, man. Um, he's the all-time single season record holder, 85-86, he had 358 minutes. Uh, and number, he has the number, he has three out of the top five single season penalty minute records for Hartford. 84-85, he had 337, and in 87-88, he had 293. Um, yeah. 83 to 89 for Robertson. Uh, actually, Robertson uh, was a really, really solid player in the Western League. Played for the Victoria Cougars. Um, I, I believe I want to say he had he was a point a game player in his career with in the Western Hockey League. Um, not the biggest guy. Like I think he's about six feet. Um, yeah, put up huge penalty minute totals. Um, fight card was he had a really good fight card. Um, I know, I know he was sort of like, you know, he, I battled with Nyland and, you know, Montreal and Quebec guys and, um, you know, fight with Cordic and, um, it, it's funny though, being in Hartford, I don't know what it was. I, I really met, I really missed out on a lot of like Tory Robertson stuff. I don't uh, like, I mean, I've seen, again, I've seen the footage. Um, it, it all sort of blends into one. Um, I will say in terms of my, uh, my knowledge and my kind of my footage that I've seen, um, the eighties is, I don't know, the eighties, I want to say is sort of a, kind of a blind spot for me. Not that I, I, you know, I mean, I've seen the coaster and the Probert stuff and Cordic and stuff like that. But, um, overall, I always say when it comes to my, my real true fight knowledge is in the nineties. Um, cause obviously that's, you know, grade seven, eight into high school and stuff like that. So. I mean, obviously that's, you know, you know, a memory for that. But, uh, yeah, when Robertson was playing, you know, I was, you know, uh, let's just say, you know, you know, well, what was his years again? Uh, 83 to 89. Yeah. I mean, I, so I was like eight years old when he started in Hartford. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a real vivid memory of, uh, of Tory Robertson, uh, you know, as a child or anything, but, um, yeah, going back and watching, it's like, I mean, again, this is what happens when I, like, I, like I said, I'm discovering these lists with you guys. So if I had known it was going to be Robertson, obviously I would have done a lot more investigating and gone on YouTube and maybe kind of looked up some, you know, Robertson's greatest hits, so to speak. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, this is all, I'm, this, I'm, I'm learning this with you. So, um, I, I was kind of, as I was scrolling, I was sort of waiting to get to his name because I knew, I did know he was the all-time penalty minute leader in Hartford. Um, yeah, I mean, I really, uh, I, I hate to be, kind of end the, end the whole thing on the, 
kind of anticlimactic or without making kind of the big punctuation mark. But yeah, I really, I, I, I have to ignorantly bow out with the, with the Tory Robertson. Uh, you know, I really can't, uh, you know, you know, obviously kind of recite chapter and verse to you about Tory Robertson, but, uh, he was an active dude. Like I said, all those, you know, 40 fight year. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't care who you are, 40 fights, man, in the NHL is something. And I know he did have a good fight card. I know that because I have looked into, um, like Robertson before. Um, again, off the top of my head, I can't, oh, he fought this guy in 85 and then in the garden in 86. Like, no. Um, I'm, I'm going back to, like I said, pictures that are in my mind and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I will be to completely be honest. Um, I know the stuff I've seen, at least the stuff that's kind of burned into my head. Um, you know, wasn't exactly Ken Task or John Morasti out there. Um, bit of a grappler. Um, like I said, not the biggest guy, you know, 5'11", 6 feet, you know, 200. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but, you know, played a long time. Uh, or, like, I think he had about 400 some games. I want to say he played, well, he played Detroit. I think that would have been after Hartford. Um, I think he started in Hartford. I think he played for Washington too. Again, this is, I'm sitting in the dark, so I'm not going to go hit hockey DB or anything. It's not that important. But regardless, I mean, he, I, if somebody said Tory Robertson, I think of him as a Hartford Whaler. So, um, well, yeah, that makes sense. I get why he's on the top of the list. I mean, with all the penalty minutes and all the fights, it's like, okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, kind of a crazy list. I don't know what the author was trying to do. I know he said they were enforcers. I mean, like I said, three quarters of that list, I wouldn't qualify as enforcers. It got obviously with Robertson, um, you know, McKenzie, Fatio, Jansons. I, I, you know, I, I was with them on that and with Grimson, um, and Howitt, but then, you know, you get you know, Deneen, McDermott, Alf, Verbeek. It's like, come on, you know, um, yeah, I don't, enforcer is not the word I would use. I'd use a few smaller words for all too. I'll tell you that. But uh, there you have it. Your uh, the brass bonanza. Well, the top ten Hartford Whaler. I don't know. We, well, the list says enforcers, so I guess that's what we'll stick with enforcers. Um, anyway, guys, that is that. Um, sorry, this kind of this uh, episode was kind of kind of sloppy. It was kind of all over. Um, I just wanted to get something out there just for, you know, for you guys to listen to. And like I said, I know a lot of you guys got commutes and stuff. So hopefully this will make the, make the, uh, make the drive a little easier. And, uh, for those, you know, you listen in the truck or in the office or whatever, hopefully, uh, I always say make the, make the work day go by a little quicker for you. So, um, you know, you're probably obviously listening to this Friday, Friday morning. So, um, Sunday, I don't know what's happening. Uh, not sure if there'll be a Sunday episode. Um, I'm going to talk to Jay uh, and my other couple other guys here. Um, if, you know, if I can record something, I'll get it out for sure. If not, I will definitely be back next next Wednesday for sure. I will be on time this time as well. I would I'll, over. I was going to say over the years, though, you got to cut me some. I've been pretty good over the years about uh, showing up on time. You know, a little tardy now and again, but uh, very very seldom. But uh, as I would say, uh, check me out on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook as well as on Twitter. And on YouTube, um, if you watch a YouTube, one of my fight videos and you enjoy it, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. YouTube loves that sort of thing. I love that sort of thing. And, um, as I always say, the, the one thing, um, if you could do for me, 
whether you'd be listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to this on, um, could you rate my show? That's all I ask. Just rate my show. You're holding their phone in your hand. If you just give me a star rating, I'd appreciate it because it helps me out in the algorithms on Spotify or on iTunes or whatever. Uh, you know, when you listen to a show and then afterwards it'll be, oh, similar shows you might like. Well, that's how you get in that list is uh, by people's recommendations and their ratings. Um, same as on YouTube. It gets into you into the, you're watching a video on the right hand side. If it's similar to videos, that's how you get in there. So, um, as I would say, when, when people are talking about creators, if you want to help out your favorite podcast, wherever it may be, I mean, Joe Rogan doesn't need your help. He's number one. Don't worry about it. But if you listen to a small time show like this one or, or whatever you happen to listen to, um, speaking for all creators, um, Yes, rating and reviewing is huge. If you could do that, like I said, you don't have to, in the column, you don't have to write some big, huge, warm piece. Just say, hockey fights rule, you know, number one or whatever, and then rate it. That would be tremendous, and uh, I would greatly appreciate it. So, anyway, guys, and as I always say, and, and you know, we joke and laugh on here or whatever, but I always say, I know there's uh, hundreds, of, thousands probably, of hockey podcasts that are out there. And uh, the fact that you chose to listen to mine, I greatly appreciate that. I really do. And uh, it's very humbling. I appreciate the feedback that I get from you guys. I love hearing from you. If you're on social media, please send me a DM. What you know, I'd love to hear from you, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, if you're not on social media, I always say you're smarter than the rest of us. Uh, but you can still email me. Hockey fights, all one word. Hockey fights at hotmail.com. Yeah, send me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea for a show, you want to come on the show, what have you, drop me a line and I will uh, get back to you ASAP. All right, folks, it is, uh, yeah, 10.33 on Thursday night. One more day, one more day. So I'm going to go hit the showers, but uh, thank you very much for tuning in and uh, talk to you cats on Sunday. Thanks, guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 